WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Hello and welcome to Game Day. I'm your host, Garrett Franks. You can follow me on Twitter at Garrett underscore Franks. I'm joined by Peyton Davis and Tanner Thompson. Both Tanner and Peyton will be covering Bama athletes for this year. As we all know, Crimson T- the Crimson Tide had a nerve-wracking week, too, as they escaped Austin for one-point win. They only playing UL Monroe at Brian Denny Stadium there today at three. But the eyes of the nation will not be tuned to Tuscaloosa, but all around the country this great weekend slate. We have the Nitty Lions of Pennsylvania coming down to the plains of Auburn, Alabama at 2.30 on CBS. The Cornhuskers, who recently fired their coach, will be welcoming in Boomer Sooner at 11 o'clock on Fox. Plus, so many more games and storylines on this beautiful, beautiful Saturday morning. Fellas, how are we doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah, doing great. Obviously, yes. We, we got we to gotta get right into it. We got to talk about what the heck happened in Austin, Austin, Texas. I mean, Peyton and I were on the show last week, and we were talking about how, man, like, we really just didn't see this as a close game. I think they even predicted, like, a 53 to, like, 20 yep, type game. Yeah, I think we predicted by 21, I think. I, I don't know. If, the only person I can genuinely give credit for for saying that said it was going to be kind of close was my dad. My dad was like, yeah, we're going to lose, but we're going to win by like one touchdown. I'm like, okay, whatever, old man. Like, you're, you're, <laughs> you're off your rocker. But no, he, he was right. Paul Frank is right that day, and I have to give him credit for that. But we have to talk about what happened. We got to talk about that. We got to talk about obviously the biggest storyline in that game. Quinn Ewers was going down around the middle of the first quarter. What was kind of your, y'all's reaction when Quinn went down? Uh, well, shades of 2009, kind of, with Colt McCoy. That's uh, how I felt initially. Um, the, the, you know, Houston Card is a is a decent college quarterback, but, you know, he was kind of, he's kind of been the journey, like not the journey, but the backup uh, for his career for Texas. Um, it was kind of the, the offense lacked use after that, um, and we couldn't really respond. We couldn't really, you know, build on that momentum. They go down, of course, they score the next few plays, and then, you know, a lot of punts after that. Um, discipline issues, lack of speed, the receiver all stood out to me. Offensive line was confused. It was the raucous sellout, you know, record-breaking crowd in DKR, and uh, it was 120 on the field. You know, Alabama's not used to playing at 11 a.m., on the road in a hostile environment. So hopefully that plays a little bit of a factor. But at the same time, you got to be better. I mean, I remember, you know, you, you watch uh, Ja'Cory Brooks almost, uh, you know, cost Alabama an interception in the first half. There's a, lot, there's a lot of just sloppiness in the route running receivers and there's no separation. It's just, it was just overall kind of a sloppy day for, especially for the Alabama offense. Absolutely. I would say Quinn Ewers looked like the truth. In the mm. That guy was feeling, um, of course, that, um, I guess it was called wreck and pass. Yeah, it's yeah. the body weight thing where you drive them into yeah, the field. Yeah. The so, which like um, we have to talk about that for a second. Do do we like that? Because I, I didn't. Like I that. saw like listen. Obviously, like I don't. I didn't want Quinn to get hurt. And you could tell that like, Dallas wasn't trying to hurt him by any stretch of the imagination. But the idea of like that you just can't simply tackle a guy by going down on it. Like that just seems a little insane to me. I think if he gets up right after that, they don't call it. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. Because he stayed down, I think that definitely helped yeah. in the passer call. But I don't know if the passer becomes so weird nowadays. It feels like almost every game there's a third down that completely divides a drive off the yeah. mm-hmm. pass call. And, and it, it just seems very like, oh, just because you may be hitting a little lower than you want. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. at what point are we just kind of like coming away, going away from the yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what Dallas Terrace was do there, but like, yeah. it, it, you know, by the rules, it's it is rough in the pass. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as a coach, what do you tell him? What do you tell him as a coach? I mean, the whole driving lane now is tough. Mm-hmm. That's how you make a tackle. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's he make a tackle in every other situation. Some years was kind of his, his, uh, his, I would say his posture was really, really high because he was trying to throw the all way. Mm-hmm. And when Dallas kind of just went low on him, and you know, it, he's like almost in the air, yours is. Yeah. And Dallas has his shoulder in his chest. I mean, he can't just like carry him and put him down. Like, yeah. it's just, you know, it's like the, the, uh, the whole thing in the NFL where you're like the joke where, you know, you, you pick up a guy and uh, you're supposed to like lay him down and tuck him in at night or something like that. Like, it, 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 it's. It, it has been. It has gotten just much less physical for the roughing passer, for sure. We also yeah. got to talk about the other very controversial call of Bryce Young in the end zone getting tackled. That was really a safety. Very weird. And it was honestly so. It, it was. It's. I've never in my 21 years of watching college football, I have never seen anything like this. So when he got tackled, he um, he threw the ball and he got tipped and whatever and went out and they called it. A, they called it a safety. Yeah, they called. They the called. Term. They called. Un, un, they called targeting initially, but yeah, that was a mistake. They yeah. called roughing the passer and targeting. Yeah. So they reviewed for. I mean, I'm talking. About they reviewed 15 minutes. Yeah. It, was, it was almost like a CBS commercial. Yeah. And then, and then they come back and said, "Oh no, the roughing the passer was like that was a mistake." And so is the targeting. Which it's honestly, yeah, the targeting, targeting. He's just. But he threw the ball out and like it was tips to some intentional grounding. And right. like I wasn't at the game. I was watching it with some butt friends and like. We were just kind of like sitting there, and no joke, one of us had the NCAA rule books out, looking at the looking yeah. at the intentional grounding rules, looking at the target. We were like, "What? What just happened?" Like, like if I'm gonna be honest with you, I genuinely think that they messed up on the call and they got embarrassed about the um, roughing the passer, yeah. and they just like like, "No, we didn't, we didn't." Mean yeah, because like there's because you don't you can't, like I don't think there's a rule where you can like unsay something. Like no, that. you can't. Yeah. 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 They tried to they tried to blame it on like a uh, like I, I misheard the call. The head judge said yeah, I misheard yeah. the calls. Weird. Which is, it's I really felt, weird. It felt like a weird compromise because mm-hmm. he wasn't a safety. He wasn't a target. He wasn't mm-hmm. a roughing the passer. All three of those things were called into play and I think it just felt like some weird compromise to call it. It, it felt like intentional grounding to me. I mean, I was, I was when I, you know, when you rewatch it. I, I'm with my friends. So I'm not really listening to the call, mm-hmm. but uh, or like the, you know, the answers. But I, it felt like roughing the pat, or not roughing. It felt like a, a um, intentional grounding to me. Like the ball doesn't get you know, the inside. Crazy play by Bryce Young. Super yeah. athletic, like cartwheeling throws yeah. the ball. You know what it reminds me of? There's always that meme from NCAA 14 where the guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Yeah. But like, for, yeah, I was saying, I was like, that's intentional. I was like, you know, obviously, you know, from a Bayern perspective, I was like, thank goodness that's not, yeah. <laughs> thank goodness that's all that went for us. But I was like, that's, that was like that's the sky's falling. Yeah. Like, I was, it was, I was like, this is, this yeah. is intentional grounding. Like, yeah, what, yeah. like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I think this is plain as day. Absolutely. The reason why it was not intentional grounding is because as he threw it, it got tipped by a deep, a Texas defensive line. I didn't see that. Yeah. So therefore it's technically like it was going in the direction of a player. So, yeah. there, so like, which like yeah. is the right call, but it just, it's weird. It, it looked really bad. So it looked bad. really yeah, bad on the appreciating. Bad. And yeah, we we got to talk about Will Reichard. Ice in his veins. Yeah, always. always. Yeah. Mr. Hoover himself, Will Reichard. Mm-hmm. I mean, just absolutely. Like, Bayern does not win a game like that five years ago. Of course oh, not. They don't. No. Of course not. It's just, it, it's so interesting because, you know, Will Reichard, even 50 and in, you know, he's kicking a 45-yard field. My feelings as an Alabama fan is, you know, always yeah. pessimistic towards kicking. <laughs> but he's been so solid. And he continues to come up big in big situations. And he now, what, he now two 50-yard field goals? Yeah. I think it was a 43. If I, it was a 52. Yeah, a 52 and then a 32 for their game winner. Right, yeah. Ice in his A's, yeah. And uh, Bryce Young, too, coming up huge. I mean, it's a bad, bad man. It's a, yeah, it's a crazy sorts of, uh, you know, all you can handle to get out of that game with one. It, it's so crazy. Bryce, I, I genuinely... It seems like whenever the pressure's on the most when we're stalling out, he delivers. I mean, we saw it mm-hmm. in Jordan Harris Stadium last year. We saw it now in 
at I believe it's DKR Ooh. Stadium. I mean, yeah. we, we saw this man, and like we kind of forget at times he's a Heisman winning, you know, yeah. like record breaking quarterback at Alabama. Man, like I, I I was telling I was talking to my dad after the game, and I remember just like, and he's you know lifelong Bama guy, grew up with Legion right by Legion Field. He said, Garrett, I've never seen a guy that is play like this for Alabama. Yeah, I don't even ever seen because there hasn't been a guy. And uh, and he, like you said, five years ago, you have two and Mac, two and Mac. They had they were great players, but special teams around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce Young, you know, he's not credited with uh, with Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and Henry Ruggs. Like he doesn't have that. So uh, yeah, I, I, overall, just him. It's it, like I said, remind me of the uh, Auburn game uh, last year. I mean, it, it often stalled at us like punt, 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 punt. But I'm looking at the, the drive the drive sheet from the game. Just a lot of punts and then uh, some field goals up towards the end. And um, Bryce just comes up huge with that. Uh, touchdown play, and then the, uh, of course the sack escape where he, his knees like an inch from the ground, which is like the famous picture. But the uh, you know the, the the sack escape where he finds Jameer Gibbs like going oh going to his left, throwing back to his right. I mean, you know you you worry about the receiving cores now, but when you got that guy, you always got a chance. You know what remind me of a little, and it's funny because I was talking to buddy, I was kind of chatting with buddy to buddy on Twitter, and we were talking about Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you'll say, I, like, I have to go back and watch some Johnny Football highlights. <laughs> yeah. And that play specifically reminded me of something Johnny Manziel would do. Yeah. And, like, I'm not saying, I'm not going to compare Bryce to Johnny, Bryce Smith and McCann, yeah, he's yeah. a much better quarterback, but yeah. it, it's it's scary when you start seeing them both run around. It's like, oh my gosh. Because, like, if you're on the other team, like, there's something you could do. Of course, man. There's, yeah. like, there's you think that guy's covered? When he's coming back across the right and Bryce going to his left, you think he's covered. But yeah, that's just yeah. a, a special play. One other one stat about this game that really stood out to me 15 100 yards, 15 penalties for Alabama, 100 yards total. What is the second most penalties ever committed in Alabama, an Alabama game? I think it was 1996 versus Georgia when we committed 16. It's like most in the saving era by three. Yeah, it, yeah. it's yeah. it seems like every game that Alabama loses, whether yeah, it be Texas exactly. and go back and look at the, the penalties, it's always up in the 10, it's always above 10, it's yeah. always above nine. You know. Around there. The PI calls is generally, mm-hmm. was, especially last season, those hurt us. Yes. We'd be going up against these teams where defensively we'd be succeeding for most of the game. Mm-hmm. But then it just felt like so many teams figure out just um, putting a go out on the outside. And whoever our corner one is, whoever's going to be on that guy, he, every time it felt like last season, they lobbed the ball up, or it was when his head turned around, it's going to contact the yeah. guy. And that happened a few times. I think it was back to back on Kool Aid yeah. this week. And I think one of them was a little bit suspicious. One of them wasn't the right. PI call. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back to back, it sucks. Plus the offense, you know, signs on the line or something like Yeah, that, that was frustrating. And, you know, Will, you expect a little bit more from, like, you know, your yeah. team leader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like you said, team leader, exactly. He needs to be better than that mentally. Especially on the unnecessary roughness call where the guy is, he, he's on the ground, he gets something, then he hits him again. Like, that that just, that stuff can't, can't happen. The mental errors, the pre-snap penalties, and then the, uh, I thought the tackling mechanics in the first half were terrible. Like, yeah. you, you go so high, you keep getting the face mask. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the first half especially, super sloppy. I mean, just sloppy all around. Every every aspect of the game, it's, it felt like. And it just felt like there was no juice or anything on the sideline. You know, it, it, Bryce and Wilk set up as leaders last year, but, you know, that that's – and this team's a lot better, I think, than last year's. So I think that you can turn around, but, you know, the wake-up call game, whatever, that, that, that's the quote that I've heard a bunch this week. Wake-up call. That's what I heard last year against Florida when you barely escaped the swamp yeah. win. Yeah. That's, like, that's what also has kind of reminded me of. And, like, it's the wake-up call, but at the same time, you turn around a few weeks later, you lose to Texas A&M. So it has to be turned around. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me a lot about this game, Texas only threw 12 in third which is, like, really good for them defense. 
but they had 25 first downs. Yeah, like that. You get a lot of them. I mean, what do you, what do you, I mean, that's tough. You you, you can't allow that. You, you can't allow those second downs where it's second and eight to, you know, to let the little drag route get you and get 15 yards. You can't do that. And that was that's what especially was when you have so many first and fives and all that. When you got uh, offsides for no reason, or uh, you know, you're like you're lined up in a weird way, or you do something like it's just a bunch of weird things happening. Yeah, I, I know Saban got option this week, but I hope I, I hope that he was you know, yeah like stirring his message because it's too easy. I was talking to a guy who works close with the team. Uh, we were just kind of talking about the Texas game. It's kind of like what happened, what you know, what was going into it. So obviously a lot, a lot was reported about what Texas did in the locker room. So there was no AC in the locker room. Yeah. Right there. So they had to, my the guy who I was talking about told me they brought portable AC units, but it still didn't mean much. It was still. That's why Brian Branch didn't play in the fourth quarter. He had cramps because obviously when your body's on yeah. 120 degree turf, you know you can't yeah. really work that well, especially when you don't have air conditioning in your locker room. Mm-hmm. A lot of things like that. I've heard from fans that the, that the um, game experience wasn't that great. Like it was uh, a lot. The concourse were very small, and narrow. No TVs out in the concourse. You know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Like it, was, it was rough, mm-hmm. rough sledding. It didn't seem like they were necessarily prepared for a yeah. SEC type venue. I got to ask one question before we move on to the next game. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, he's been winning the game. See, my thoughts on that is that, of course, everything you've heard is that Bama loses by two touchdowns if Quinn Ewers stays in. But I don't necessarily agree. I think the game kind of changes and, like, it's like it feels more like a shootout and um, the offense kind of, like, more buttoned up. But, I mean, honestly, you win by one against Houston Carter. Like, he's not a very – I'd say he's probably middle of the pack at best, a backup-level quarterback in college. Quinn Ewers is a, you know, 1.0 prospect. Like – he looked and he looks like to your, like what you said. He looks so special and he was dealing. But uh, uh, I would say we probably don't win the game, but it's closer than people think. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to see this thing. But <laughs> um, I would say Quinn years in that first half. A lot of times I would expect out of uh, somebody who's as highly talented as he was out of high school and he's got the time he does, you would think that once he gets that shot, he gets a little bit of respect for that. He really wants to see the ball down the field, but he didn't. He took what the defense gave him. He actually really had a productive first half. And, you know, Hudson Card came in. Hudson Card? Hudson Card? Hudson, I think it's Hudson. Hudson. He came in, and he was almost going for way more. In terms of deep shots, he was going for way more mm-hmm. than he was was in the second half. And, you know, I think Bama probably could have still taken the news. Obviously, I want to say that just, you know, <laughs> yeah. as a Bama fan. But, you know, it's pretty hard to say, especially with how well and, and again, it, it did remind me last year, Auburn, and this way too, TJ Finley's the backup quarterback. He gets his ankle hurt, and he can barely throw the ball down the field at the end of the game. And you saw that with uh, Hudson Carr when he's, uh, you know, trying to t- take those deep shots. He's throwing about 10 yards inside. And uh, I totally forgot that he was, like, barely even walking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with Finley. So, like, it, yeah. you know, it's just one of those games. Uh, you you got to be better. Absolutely. So, moving on to the, the Another big game that happened this past week, App State beating Texas A&M. And it still bothers me. Why on earth do these teams schedule App State? It makes no sense to me. It, they, are a, they, are a, they are a program killer. They destroyed, they, they beat Michigan, obviously, in the famous, you know, the famous block game. Obviously, they have another block here on fourth quarter around the third, three-minute mark to beat Texas A&M. I mean, I mean, what went wrong with this Texas A&M team? It seems like everything's kind of falling apart. They're changing quarterbacks. You had a five-star corner who um, started from Denver. Harris posting a video of him driving through a parking deck at like 40 miles an hour, and you're like, killing people. Like, 
what, what's going on with the Aggies here? Yeah, uh, it's a, kind of the perfect storm to me of Haynes King and just the offensive lack of just innovation. Uh, you know, uh, it's like an expired offense. It's 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 weird. It feels kind of wonky and kind of uh, it not buttoned up to use that phrase again. Uh, yeah, it's like the same offense from the 2014. Jimbo Fisher just won't acclimate to the times. Um, you know, they won't spread people out, and Haynes King does not have the arm talent for sure to help them out in that way at all. But uh, you know, it, it's that defense is so loaded with talent. But when the time of possession is I have it right here, 41, 29 to 18, 17, like 41 minutes and 29. You're expecting your defense to play for that long. I don't care who it is. But the thing that stood out to me the most is that App State at home last week, they were 40 or like 63 to uh, UNC. And uh, and Amen could barely get a first down. Like he, it was just, it was sloppy and bad. And there, like nothing went right for that AM. I mean, 97 yards passing for Haynes King against the. Uh, but on efficient 13 of 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Analytically, he did it right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's just so rough for them. I mean, it, it, it's got to be, something's got to change. And that offense is relaxed juice. And then Nye Smith's kind of like the only guy who seems like he's like really a player that can play the next level to me. So. It's just a, kind of a perfect storm of just everything going wrong for him. Yeah. I think Haynes King holds that team back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, maybe to an extent it's Jimbo Fisher because, I mean, people keep regarding him as, you know, kind of an offensive guru for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, if you are labeled an offensive guru and you go up against a defense that allowed 63 points through the 14 UNC and you have 56 combined four and five star recruits, you put up 14 I'm sorry. And you put your offense puts up seven. They had a kick return for a touchdown. Oh, your offense puts yeah, up seven. Seven. How, yeah. Like I feel like something. I feel like there's a, there's almost excuses being made for Jimbo Fisher. And yeah. I feel like most of that has to fall on him. He has the talent, and he's going up against the defense that we know is not great. But but look, they, they made AM look like terrible. It feels I'm, like they should be ahead of where they are right now. Yeah, I mean, like you know, obviously, I get the first few years kind of being seven, five, eight, and four, kind of mm-hmm. stumbling around. That makes sense, you know. Football teams it takes a little longer to flip than others, but man, I mean, we're year five and we're still we're still talking about embarrassing losses like this. Max Johnson, who's going to replace Hayden's team this week, we'll talk about that against when they play Miami later, probably in the second hour. That's uh, how much better can he really do? Like, I mean, I like Max Johnson; he's decent at LSU, but still like. Just, I feel like he's more of a glorified game manager, but yeah. probably still better than Haynes King because he can't get much worse yeah. than Haynes King. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it, it's very, it's very weird to me. It's very I think weird. it, I think it elevates the team a little bit, but not, you know, it doesn't move much. And uh, to me, if this next record-breaking class, whatever the one that they spent thirty million on, what are they doing? I don't know. Like the, the, the hey, record-breaking. Hey, don't listen to the Bible. Exactly. He's, he's all over, all over that. But uh, yeah, I, I think if he, if that. Classes can pan out. They keep going eight and four. Then the seat gets a little hopper, Jimbo Fisher. But uh, like it, it just feels, it just, it's like all this talk coming into this year, and you know Desmond Howard putting them in their top, which was a weird top four, but like still having winning the national championship. I mean, it's like, it's it, it like you said, it should be further along. Like there's no way in the, at this point in Jimbo Fisher's tenure that I mean, everyone, anyone expect them losing to App State, especially with the recruiting classes they're bringing in and all that. I mean, it's just like you said, fifty six combined four or five. I mean, it's just. It's unbelievable. I think people just keep saying, oh, give it, give AM, you know, two years, keep giving it. Like, it feels like every time they face a tough loss, everyone keeps saying, oh, give them two years, give them two years, give them two years. And it feels like this has happened for the past five years. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like I was saying earlier, but with giving Jimbo Fisher excuses, it feels like you're just kind of 
It can't be his fault. You know, it's college team that he just, you know, quote unquote, just uh, took over. But I think to a certain point, you have to take a better move. Yes, absolutely. Real quick before we go to break, Florida versus Kentucky. Obviously, Kentucky getting the win here. What was kind of our thoughts? You know, go. I, you, you said it perfectly. You're like, I'm not taking a little bit of victory lap today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, I, I'm not going to drink the Kool Aid on you know Anthony Richardson. And I wasn't necessarily drinking the Kool Aid, but I was like, there may be something here. I, you know, the way he played against right. Utah, the way he conducted himself. Obviously, that didn't pay off here. Losing 26 to 16. Peyton, the floor is yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm going to take a victory lap here. Please blow here. I just think that I think you know everything that I thought was going to happen kind of happened. It, Florida drank their own Kool-Aid. They were listening to rat poison, like I said last week. They did it all this week. And uh, Anthony Richardson, like you know, like we talked, we talked about before that Utah game. You and I, we were like, I'm not sold because he just he can't do it on a week-to-week basis. And uh, you know, I think today that they have to kind of bounce back. Whatever. It was. Uh, I think USF's a little weaker this year, but I think they they try to run. They, you got to establish some sort of identity on this offense. It was really, really weird. Just some of the things that uh, Anthony Richardson was doing, it was just. It, it did not seem like there was any any control or any like like I said it, it felt like that the uh you know everything was just like it, it's not the continuity like I said that's what I keep saying and, and you know uh, Mark Stoops and all that in Kentucky that 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 has been around for a while and um you know that that it felt a lot more just like in control mm-hmm. you know to, uh, for Billy Napier and I think Richard's a lot of talent I think you know Florida's a better football team but uh yeah, I mean, it's just they they. they they, they run into these problems like every year, it feels like, and, they, and it, nothing's different. Absolutely. Tanner, real quick before we go to break. So I think I was kind of in the same boat. Obviously, I don't have the um, vocal record to back it up. But <laughs> once that, uh, when that Utah-Florida game happened, everyone was real high on Anthony Richardson. Don't get me wrong, I get it. Like, incredible athlete. Incredible athlete. But um, when it comes to the game of football and playing quarterback, I am not I would this is a guy who I think he threw more picks than touchdowns last year. And yeah, yeah, to it's to tough to touchdowns. exactly. It's tough to give that guy first round high. Like forty seven percent completion percentage. Exactly. Like, it, you know, he's such a special athlete, but exactly. you know, it's just you not can't, production. You can't justify um, first round hype after one game against Utah. The first pick hype is what he's For doing. literally like, like literally Heisman first pick, it next Cam Newton, you know, like Tim Tebow, Cam Newton combined. Like yeah. it's just it's it, ridiculous, and I think it was you yeah. know it's really the way it happened. Yeah, it was way too bad. Yeah. I will say, um, I think I liked Will Levis in this game. I know I think uh, Kentucky is not very good at running ball, so and Florida knew that, and I think Florida kind of came in and they made Will Levis the kind of made him be the guy that forced him to play a good game and beat them, and he did. Yeah, he composed himself for sure. That's where I thought going into last week. He's just he's more like he's seasoned and he has that all that upside. You know, he's getting the top ten picks too. Absolutely, exactly. But he, he's also had the experience, and I feel like that was kind of on display last week. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, though, we're going to talk about Alabama versus Monroe. We're going to talk about you know how does Bama bounce back? What was reevaluated? Receivers are they a position of concern? So much more to talk about here on Game Day. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Second people of the season from Alabama versus UL Monroe. Before we kind of get in the game, I want to ask you guys. You know, I'm you know, I'm obviously a student here. I'm in, hearing a lot of things from around students. Are a lot of students that you know or friends that you got you have, are they going to this game today? 
it seems like everyone I know is selling their ticket in bunches, trying to get out, trying to just like watch the game at home or go to, go to a bar and watch it. What, what, what are you looking at? I think it's going to be a similar thing where people go for the first half. And, you know, I, it's not, I think the weather's supposed to be all right, but like, you know, the sun, you know, three, yeah. three bucks can be right there. So I think people will leave by the, uh, the second half. Hopefully, they, I mean, look, it's Yale Monroe. Texas played Yale Monroe week one, which is kind of weird. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, I, to me, before, sorry, to ramble, but like yeah. to, before we, before, you know, when you have a game like that where you barely squeak by, I don't want to turn around and play Yale Monroe and Bambi. I just don't, I want it, I want uh, like a Mississippi State or a team, an SEC team that's middle of the pack can kind of challenge you. Yeah. I, I want that. And, 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 so, unfortunately, I mean, it has to be, today has to be another weekend after. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably will be. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing I want to see the most is winning just like the grand like big players. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something we kinda do against bad teams is that we'll be you know, they'll be able to get a yard and all seven thirty yard division downfield. That's something I want to see minimized today. I feel like that'll speak a little bit for um, defensive improvement. But um it's nice because I the biggest thing I'm worried about is receiving for the team. And it's not it's gonna be in the Utah State thing where they look like they are um first round draft picks, but you know, it's you all know. Yeah. So. First off, how dare you disrespect Van- Mandy? <laughs> yeah. The doors My are back, baby. The doors, doors are back. back. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I agree, you know, kinda of talking about which positions or how Ben really kind of bounce back which positions do we really kinda of need to look at a little closer. Receiver's my biggest one right now. It's gotta be everything. everything. I mean, because honestly, like, you know, sure, you know, sure, like, our, our DBs, you know, so, sure they got burned by Xavier Worthy at times, but Xavier Worthy is also he's a great player. player. By the end of the year, I think he's going to be up there with Jackson because he's good for how, like, much people look at him. Yeah. Plus, B. John Robinson, like, I'm not worried about the defense, about defense, defensive game plan is good. I think the O-line is still an area question. I think Darian Dalcourt should not be starting center. I think Seth McLaughlin is much more of a physical player and Seriously. much more of what you want. Better last year, too. Yeah, much better last year. We saw it in the SC Championship game. Mm-hmm. We saw the kind of the difference when yeah. Dalcourt came back in. And it's just, it's night and day. It's night and day. He's not as physical. I like, so I like the, the offensive line I thought played better than people say. But, like, it seems like when things were starting to, like, really fall off, the, like, the wheels were starting to fall off of the offense. Like, they, they were not holding up. And, you know, that safety was, like, kind of like, or the, the one where, uh, they got that sack on third down where uh, it's uh, McLaughlin, no, uh, Dalcourt and uh, and uh, Kendall Randolph. They're kind of in miscommunication, and Randolph just doesn't see the guy. They don't call get the mic call off or anything. Price yeah. got nailed. Yeah, so and Price got nailed exactly. It just it, like I said, I, 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 it really does feel like Auburn to me in that sort of regard. And uh, like it, like we've been saying, the receiving core. You know, you want someone to step up. I said before the year, you need you know you know Jermaine Murray's a solid player. He was missing an action last week, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, you just want to see someone else step up. Like Trayshawn played well at the end, but you need you need to see wire to wire like sort of improvement and stuff like today. You leave no doubt. I agree completely. Yeah, but offensive line again. That's something that hasn't been exactly a point of or one of our strengths this past, especially these past two years. I feel like we struggled against pressure consistently. I think a big reason why and M beat us last year, and it's just scary seeing it kind of creep back into the offense. Um, I honestly, I do think that the offensive line was not bad. It felt like they were giving uh, Bryce Young time. Scouts just don't get open. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the receivers are no open. separation. Yeah. That's why I think Bryce Young has so much better than the staff. Oh, absolutely. Oh, the guy had almost nothing going for him. Yeah. And what he was able to do, especially in the last drive, I mean, I didn't like the play calling. 
Huge. I mean, there were multiple touchdowns. He obviously the line of Multiple. I think there was a few times where he got him in or had somebody on the outside and just put it up for him and got it. That's one. That's something that is huge. Love to see out of as a out of a quarterback as a NFL scout. But in this game, he had nothing going for him, and he made that thing work. Which I think yeah, I, I completely agree. And just like I think the things that Bill O'Brien sometimes runs into is like you give Bryce Young when you give Bryce Young just one read. I think it just runs, it gives you problems because, like, the, this, the CB4 is not special. By, like, I don't think it's special. I think it's got a lot of depth. It's got a lot of talent. But right now, it sure, certainly is not producing on the field like you want it to. Yeah. I think you need to give Bryce Young, like, three, four reads and let him operate himself. Because, like you said, he's a special, special sort of generational talent. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you heard uh, Joel Flat say on the, on the call, I heard him say this. Um, if Bryce Young's three inches taller and 30 pounds heavier, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence level generational profit. I completely agree. Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting about this receiving core is that you can tell we're missing J-Mo or Mechie. J-Mo just lightning fast speed and we get past anyone. Mechie, you know, just, he wasn't necessarily the fastest, but he just he just knew ways to get open. He's yeah. such a smart route runner. And obviously, I think they're both going to kill in the NFL once they get healthy, mm-hmm. once they both recover. So. But yeah, I, I really do agree that, you know, I like Trayshawn Holman. I like Cody Preachers. I like Jacoby Brooks, Jermaine Burton, so on the fence about. But Trayshawn got stuff up. And I say this, you know, as someone who has had multiple classes in Trayshawn, I like Trayshawn a lot. Great guy. Like, You've he's heard all good things about him in the offseason. Genuinely, just great yeah. guy. I like him a lot. And so, like, I, he's a guy you, just, you want to root for. You want him to do well just because he's a nice person and nice mm-hmm. and just fun to be around. Yeah, it, that's really one thing I want to talk about. But also the Russian. I want to talk about this Russian attack because I thought Jamar Gibbs. Obviously, he was kind of our life blood when it came to receiving and running last week. But mm-hmm. Jason McClellan, I think Jason McClellan might be one of the most underrated bats in college football. He, if he's, if he, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 go ahead. Go if ahead. he's, if he's on a different team, he could be all American level running back. Absolutely. You know, and you can't, you can't. The things that you're running into is 39 passes, 21 uh, runs. Like, Alabama's efficient on three. I know you have 180 yard run, but you have, you average six yards per carry. Like, I, you know, just keep him honest and. It's but it's two to one run to pass ratio like that. That's that's the sort of stuff can lose you games. That's one thing I'm concerned about when it comes to like big matchups like we don't have to We can't if without a decent run game and do it on that we had the eighty one yard but we did not run the ball that long outside of that. Right. Jameer Gibbs had a great receiving game, but a really good receiving game. But we did not we were not able to run the ball outside of that. Yeah. And if you want to compete against high level teams, they have to you have to have a respectable it doesn't have to be elite, but they you have to have a run game to where we run, we run, run exclusively. You know, I don't think I've seen Bryce Young line up under center once in his career. So if we're going to be calling all these, you know, inside zone draw plays, one, I think you can get a lot more creative in the run game. Mm-hmm. But if you we're going to call those plays, they've got to be successful in their shot. Yeah. So I think we have to make the run game a lot more respectable. Um, I don't like. And again, like you said, not giving Bryce Young the amount I don't like the screen pop things. Really yeah. going like those little bunch stack outside things where two receivers go up and makes a block, so one hangs back and he gets the pass and goes for it. I just I never like those calls in general, and I feel like it doesn't look like they're working. My least favorite play call. Sorry to cut you off again, but my least favorite uh, play call is the, uh, a, a boundary or yeah, boundary side screen where you run to the short side of the field. You just you throw it to him and you just expect it. It's there's a lot of guys over there. There's not a lot of space to work. You you give them a you just throw them a little quick screen and expect them to just run two yards maybe. It's one thing when you have games and games, you do not have games. Yeah, yes. And 
we just keep rolling that. And I, 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 one, I don't like that call. And also, I think there's third and two, and then we, or I think it may have been a goal line thing where we lined up and done and just called inside zone. I just, mm-hmm. we're, we need to run the ball there, and it's okay if we get in a little bit of a more run. You know what I mean? Yeah. We need lead blockers. We need extra guys on the line. The thing is, when you run the ball, you keep the defense honest. You move the safeties up. So, therefore, that opens up that big game action. We, exactly. Last year, we didn't have the greatest running game, but we had a respectful mm-hmm. running game. Brian Robinson, so just Brian reliable. Yeah. He's very so reliable. Especially in the back. Yeah, he was very reliable. And then, also, before Jace got hurt, before Roy Dell yeah. hurt, got hurt, you know, they were, they were very respectable. And then, Obviously, I, I think Roy Dell didn't play much because of cramping issues. That you know, that's kind of in the consistent theme that we talk when we talk about this Texas game. But yeah, it, it's really, it's really interesting. Someone tweeted. I, I hope it was joking. I think it was more so joking and say, "Why don't we throw Joe Milrow out there? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he loves on and let him run." But yeah, no, that's yeah, really interesting. I, I mean, I'm really excited today though to see what this receiving like. I really want to see maybe some younger guys get in for a bit. I want to see an Isaiah Bond. I want to see you know. I want to see more Ja'Cory Brooks because it feels like we're not getting a lot of Ja'Cory Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I want to see. I want to see some Kendrick Wall. I, I just want to see more of these younger guys maybe get a chance because right now I've never been super high on Jermaine Burton even when he transferred here. Mm-hmm. I never thought of him as like, oh, he's gonna be 1,100 yards, yeah. and 10 touchdowns. I always kind of said, okay, he's probably about 500 to 600 yards, four or five touchdowns. I've just never been super high on him. I don't think he has great physical tools, and I think we're kind of seeing that. He had a few drops last week, mm-hmm. and that was a consistent issue throughout this. What I heard throughout the summer of him having an issue mm-hmm. with dropping balls. Yeah, it's just the separation that's just st- stood out. You, you're not getting it, and you need a guy like we talked about the break, Tyler, Tyler Harrell. Which you know, all the things about Tyler Harrell excluded, like he might not be a great receiver, whatever. He's not James Williams, of course, but he has that track speed. And track speed at the bare minimum can open up and give you more space without having to have a reliable run game. And the thing that stood out is what you said about Brian Robinson so good between the tackles. I think Jace McClellan's a great player. I think Jameer Gibbs is a good player, but it's not really you don't have the thunder and lightning, lightning sort of thing. They're both kind of like they're both kind of uh, those you know inside zone slash runners. Who are, and I think Jace McClellan's a really good pure runner, but they're not like big strong guys. Mm-hmm. And Roydell Williams. When you're when you're fourth, by the way, just when you're fourth and inches, like half, like a foot, and you fall down, like you, the way you, you trip and whatever, cramping issues, whatever, mm-hmm. you can't just fall down and leave with your forearm and just uh, jab your forearm, forearm into the ground like that. You know, you need to get that first down. That almost costs the game. So I want to see, I want to see more of a like, like if if you're in a game like that where you're cramping a lot, you know, go and they kind of were doing this, and you you know, Jace had that little neck thing, but. Uh, you, you got to have the like every other play, honestly, switch them off, you know, uh, platoon them in, keep the defense on its heels. It just feels like there's not a lot of juice, there's not a lot of creativity, like you said, the running game. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. The strange thing about it is that there's not a whole lot of creativity in play calling. And don't get me wrong, Bryce Depp probably has some involvement here. But when it's a drive that we have to score, mm-hmm. that we have to, then somehow the play calling seems to open up a little bit. And one, you talked about Jacoby Brooks a little bit earlier. Shout out Jacoby Brooks. That last drive, he was he came up huge. Yeah. He had two big like twenty yard receptions. Yeah. Trayshawn Holden also had Trayshawn two down the stretch like really The only catches he had were in the third, or I think he had one in the first quarter, which was like a minus two. Yeah, yeah, and then he had, he had two or three in the fourth that were just like man, great, just excellent play by the guy. Like where have you been? No, 
<laughs> and this is the thing that stands out to me, the thing that I really hope that kind of creates a revelation in this offense. Just the, the, the best offense for us, you know, uh, when you need to, it's just passing downs and whatever. You go empty with Bryce you let him operate. You let him uh, survey the field and operate. You don't, you don't limit him with the play call. You don't limit his ability. Like, it, like that's the thing that sometimes Bill O'Brien needs to do. And, uh, I, you know, Bill O'Brien's been a, a, a kind of a polarizing figure because you either love him or you hate him as an Alabama fan. And I agree with you. Sometimes it, it happened last year for you, a few games. You, you run into times you're just like, man, do something to get you, like scheme people open, you know, like, and especially with this receiving core, but you don't have that burning speed right now. You got to scheme people open. So that's the thing that's there. Right? I got to ask if, you know, going into this game, if you were Nick Saban, who are you starting with for your receivers? Mine personally, mine would be Ja'Cory. I think Kobe Preston still, I still don't think we have enough game film on him to really give a true evaluation. And then Trey Sean on the other one. Yeah, no, I, I would probably still, I would, if it were a big game, then I'd probably give uh, Burton the nod. And I, I want to see his chemistry with Bryce uh, continue to develop because I think in terms of an, uh, like a national standing, he's our number one receiver. But like mm-hmm. at the same time, you, you need to give these guys, these younger guys a shot is really what I would do. Like, like, First, first quarter, play Kendrick Ball, play some of these other guys. Like these guys need experience, and um, especially last year, Lenati, you know, run into a bunch of injuries. These guys come in, uh, and you know, Ajay Hall and your younger guys, the world, they don't seem like they're ready for the moment. And so, mm-hmm. you only know it's not going to make you ready for the moment. But game experience is very important. Yeah. I like Jacory Brooks being in. Um, I think he's, yeah, you still got to put Trey on holding in, but I honestly think that. I like Cody Prentice and I think he could be good. And even in Utah State, some of those multiple plays are designed for Cody Brooks. And um, I think he looks solid in open field, but I still think I like him more than I do Cody Prentice. Um, you know, obviously, he did not have the game. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the breakaway speed at all. But I think once you match up Jermaine Burton with somebody who does have breakaway speed, once you get a true XYZ wide receiving core on this team, you get the, you know, Big wideout X, uh, slot Y, and deep red Z. I think that makes that X receiver a lot better. If that makes sense, kind of like, kind of like the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chris Godwin makes Mike Evans a lot better when he's on the field. That makes sense. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and that's a great point because you know it, it's the same sort of thing with Mechie last year. You know, you get James Williams. I don't think Mechie's really capable of being a number one receiver to himself. You know that whatever. I think he's better than Jermaine Burton for sure. But Jermaine Burton can be that sort of Mechie. It, like 78% of what Mechie is, you know, 70-80% of what Mechie was. Yeah. I got a question. You got to kind of put from the other side of the ball for a second here. Who would you start opposite corner in Kool-Aid? Because I feel like right now Kool-Aid's locked down as prior to him. Yeah. Whether, yeah, the guy, he did, he yeah I thought he did yeah. well, but some people don't agree, but whatever. I mean, really the only thing that matters, matters is saving. So, yeah. <laughs> but I'm curious, who are you starting opposite him? Because right now, I have no faith in Tyree Jackson. No, not at all. No it, faith it, it's, it felt like when uh, when Worthy was getting a big play, it was you saw the number six Tyree yeah. Jackson, K. Jackson, uh, uh, you know, stumbling down or whatever. I would, yeah. I, would, I want to see Eli Ricks. You know, he's still I think a little bang, banged up. I want to see him start to establish himself in this defense because I think he's the best player out of him, Terryon Arnold and uh, and Tyree Jackson. But uh, I thought Terryon was good, but it felt like whoever was at that number two spot, they were picking him, and yeah. Sark knew it too. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, I'd probably like Eli Ricks. Yeah. Somebody, um, I guess Brian Ranch has played more of a slot than most of Yeah, he's a star. He's not, yeah, he's not exactly. Um, yeah. So probably Eli Ricks if I had to choose. But again, that's why I'm keeping such a close eye on cornerbacks because I don't think there's a true answer for who you put off. So, uh, Kool-Aid. But 
regardless, I think what I want to we know the front seven's good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the amount of mishap we had against Texas. And it wasn't even a problem. Like, we were getting in the backfield, but especially Jalen Moody. He was getting in the backfield, but like you said yeah. earlier about tackling for him, we missed so many times. And I want to see, and I know we're not playing Devin Robinson or the Texas running backs this week, but it would be nice to see some blunder plays in the backfield just to kind of. Well, you talk about, you talk about uh, scheming people open. Sark, I thought, did a great job. I thought he called a great game. It seemed like, you know, even in that in that flat protection, it just didn't it didn't seem like it was there for Alabama. They weren't fast to the, to the ball and probably had something to do with the, uh, the, the heat and the, uh, the conditions of the game. But you want to see, you know, your pursuit was not there. It just seemed like the sloppiness, you know, that's really what stood out. So the Southern team today, it's going to be hot. It's not going to be cold. <laughs> yeah. I, I know we don't really get a fall down here in the South, but of course. it's going to be hot. So I, I, we, we need to learn to play in the heat. I mean, yeah, you got to learn to play in the heat. Yeah, I mean, also in the cold, eventually we go play in, you know, it's somewhere where it's like two degrees for a playoff game. But, you know, I digress. <laughs> you know, one thing I really, I think with the full corner debate is fascinating because Kool-Aid's obviously locked down number one. I think I go Terry on Harmon. Yeah. And the, reason, Terry. the reason why I go Terry on over of Eli Ricks is because, A, Ricks is in the doghouse right now from what we know. He's still kind of getting through some stuff. He's still a little bit immature. He has all the talent in the world, but, you know, he can't put it together, really. And that's a big deal. Like, I don't think he should be – just because he's a talented guy, he should not be He should not be leaping over other players because of maybe a poor attitude or just savings. Like, we need to kind of get him, you know, figured out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of a, a Jaya Hall conundrum last year. Jaya Hall probably is one of the most talented players in that receiving room. Heck, maybe on the, on the team. team. Yeah. But, yet yeah, I'm glad Saban never played him outside of when injuries – He's being proven right right now. Yeah, because sure. because then you know what does that tell the other guys who do the right do yeah. it the right way do it the right way when Ajay is not doing it the right way or Eli Ricks and obviously I'm not going to speculate what Eli is doing wrong. I'm just from what, just from what I heard, he's just kind of in the doghouse. Mm-hmm. Nothing official, just you know mm-hmm. that doghouse. Yeah. So it, it's it, when once you're in Saban's doghouse, it's kind of hard to get out. But we know guys that have gotten out. I mean, yeah. Rolando McClain, one of you know, and that mm-hmm. makes me sound like an old head out here, but one of the best <laughs> middle linebackers in Bama yeah. history. Yeah. Yeah. You know it. it it's possible to get out, but it's it's a hole. You yeah. have to get out of it. Yeah, I think, you got you self improvement fast. Yeah, and I think Arnold is Arnold's one of the most athletic guys on the team. Could have played basketball. Had an offer to come uh, walk on with the team. Say to Quincy actually, or Kool Aid. I guess his Christian name Kool Aid. Yeah, but yeah, um, I, I I like Arnold a lot. Very athletic, but you know, still learning, still only a redshirt freshman. So you know, there's gonna be some growing pains, and I think that's what the next two weeks can kind of help out yeah. with. We're not going up against elite guys in UL Monroe and then also Vandy. So, you know, it kind of gives you some time. Okay, we can make mistakes. We can learn. We can kind of fail a little and grow from it. So that's that's what I would do. Terry Arnold, he only started three times last week and he allowed one catch for I'll take that. He played 30 pass coverage snaps, I think. So. Yeah. yeah. And the, the thing is, the problem was they were picking on eight. Harry Jackson when Arnold was yeah. getting tired because, you know, it's a thousand degrees out there. Yeah. But also, they're picking on our stars. Yeah. I, I really like I really like Brian Branch, but he kind of struggles a little with the pass coverage. And look, yeah. he's not as good as Malachi when it comes to pass coverage. Malachi's a little bit has the, Yeah, and Malachi's, you know, like we said, the tackling, whatever, but like Brian Branch wasn't. Yeah, you want to see he's got to he's got to make up for the lack of pass coverage in the run game, and he I didn't think he was really great at that. Um, I really believe he's one. Yeah, Brian Branch. But yeah, he's also Utah State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's what's kind of smart about the scheduling is because you have two weeks of kind of hey, let's figure out what happened, what went wrong, let's fix it. Yeah. You have two weeks, and then you play. In my opinion, the third biggest game in the year. Well, not third, but one of the top five biggest games of the year in Arkansas. Yeah. And I think 
Bama's going to be on it. I, I, I'm already going to start ringing the bells now. I've, I've <laughs> talked about during break. I think that's where Bama maybe stumbles, if, if anywhere on the schedule. I don't see it against A&M. Maybe Tennessee, maybe Ole Miss. I'm not too, too high on this team. I, I'm still gathering information on them, trying to figure out what they're going to really look like. But, yeah, yeah. I am not, I'm not very high on them. But, oh, Tanner, you had something to- A team I'd worry about a little bit, or maybe just because I'm high on but Tennessee, I um, like Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. And I think the way their offense runs, they kind of just put Hendon Hooker in the gun and just let mm-hmm. a bunch of guys go. And I think against this team, that could be a – Point of contention, especially against our cornerbacks. Um, defensively, I'm not the biggest fan of Tennessee, mm-hmm. but I do think that offense will make an interesting game. It could be a shootout. Yeah, and running that, and running that high tempo offense, you know, like that, that can that gives Alabama historically some trouble, especially in a man covered scheme when you got you know you got to uh, hurry and uh, and kind of you confused on what the line checks are, whatever you can't get those platoons in. That's the sort of things that can make us struggle. So I think that they're, I would say that they're, they're our biggest threat as as of right now. If you look back in the history of the games Bama has lost. You look at a, a lot of self-inflicting wounds, penalties, mm-hmm. then also quarterback plays the game of their life. And they usually have a model. They're usually a little bit taller. They usually can move pretty well. Yeah, Quinn Ewers was setting up for that. Yeah, Quinn Ewers was setting up for that. I, I think when you match that profile, Justin Jefferson, or KJ Jefferson, excuse me, not, not, not Justin Jefferson, my incredible fantasy receiver, by the way, points last week, nice, helped, nice. Me, helped me get the win. <laughs> not to plug the fantasy team there. But um, when you have KJ Jefferson, and then you also have Kenny Hooker, both those are kind of 6-4 and up. Big body can run well, can throw very well as well as can throw wells. And then also, Hendon Hooker is a very good quarterback. I, I to me, the fact that that got that he got away from Virginia Tech is still just yeah, shows kind of moving up to that program. Yeah. But yeah, so when we come back, we're gonna take a quick little break here. When we come back, we're gonna talk about a little coaching carousel stuff. He's already starting sadly with Scott Frost getting the, getting the boot on last Sunday afternoon. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. What Nebraska should look for, who they should look for, possibly who even's next in the hot board, who's who's gonna be the next guy maybe gone after Scott Frost. And then also we're gonna talk about Marcus Freeman. And I have to recant some statements because I'm a big Marcus Freeman guy. And I, I, I still am standing with him. I'm still a part of this Notre Dame Irish culture. I, I I'm rooting for him. But we have to talk about it. We have to discuss the first three games of his tenure. You'll hear that next in season. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Obviously, second hour of the show. Garrett Franks, Peyton Davis, Tanner Thompson here. We're going to talk a little bit about some, before we get into game, games all around the country today. So, there's a great slate of games. We got to talk about Scott Frost, obviously getting fired after about five years there up at the, up in Nebraska. I mean, my initial thoughts were, man, they. They really had. They could have waited until August or October first, to where the buyout dropped seven million dollars, and they said, "Now nah, we'll 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 fire you, fire you twenty days yeah. before that." Like that, Four like seven, man. I mean, destroyer of teams. I mean, you got to remember back in twenty fifteen, uh, Georgia Southern beat um, was Florida, beat Florida, and that was kind of the end of the wow. Mac winner. Yeah. And now they yeah. so I mean like just don't schedule a App State, don't schedule <laughs> Georgia, Georgia Southern ever because that. Destroyer of programs, but what I mean, what are y'all's initial thoughts? Because like when I, when Scott Frost got hired, I thought this was a home run. He was killing at UCF. He, you know, he's a Nebraska man. You know, he yeah. won a championship for him and everything. And now it's and, and now it's like five years later. It feels like a funeral. Yeah, it it's like just a funeral like, right now. My, my two initial thoughts: what you said first was, uh, of course, with the uh, the buyout. 
uh, was so just stood out, it was just crazy. A Nebraska guy, Scott Frost, gets fired 20 days early, and they lose. They get the buyout is double what it would have been. And then the second thing that stands out was really just I just remembering the Scott Frost here in Nebraska. It's like some of the worst close game like team play of all time. It's all time bad. Like like the Atlanta Falcons are better. Uh, whoa, better whoa, close whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I can talk about the Falcons. Right yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, yeah, no, I it's just like it, I don't think he's a bad coach, but I just uh, I think there's just a lot of just ineptitude and whatever. I thought they were going to be better this year, you know, as a, a team that people were high on. But, man, I mean, Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern, just bad look, really bad look. Part of me thinks that, and honestly, I kind of doubt it because he's a former Husker, but to fire a coach, you know, when you only have to wait a few weeks for it to be half the price, for it to be literally seven instead of 15, yep. part of me thinks that there almost has to be some locker room distaste as well. And again, you wouldn't think there would be, but one firing a coach midseason, that's that's something that's already just a really ambitious idea, I think, from a program. And two, literally not being able to wait the few weeks to, for it to cost half, I feel like there has to be a little bit more than just the play on the field. But that may be a maybe a. I bet, I bet it's the I bet the players don't even play for, like they don't even listen. He's like in one ear out with, out the other. That's what that kind of stands out. That's I think that that was the same as LS, at LSU. I think it was the same with Cus Malzahn. Like things like you just go in one ear out the other. It's just uh, that sort of thing. So I want to I want to talk about something about Scott Frost. Apparently, in the past few days, some accusations have come out, and so we're just going to kind of report what has been said out there. No, nothing too crazy in the sense of like nothing, no sexual misconduct thing, clear anything. But apparently, so this is from a, make sure I get this right. This is from a radio show or a Mike's, Mike's survey appeared on the sport of sports video podcast. Um, after, after Nebraska parted ways with the coach, um, obviously he did, he does some radio down up in Lincoln. He says he can't talk about his head. So uh, these are some of the accusations head coach showing up late to practice. He can't talk about his head coach not making recruiting phone calls. Um, apparently, he had assistant coaches going to the athletic department, the AD saying, hey, this is happening. Help us. That should not happen. You should not have to have your assistant coach complain about your head coach because he's not doing what he's supposed to do. So maybe, maybe it's to the point where he knew he was a dead man walking, more of a lame duck situation. Mm. And Dead man walking for sure. I mean, I mean I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know that. that makes yeah, I, I didn't know it until I was pulling up some yeah. stats. Really accurate. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's just it, I feel bad in the sense of like it wasn't supposed to happen this way. I mean, you start you know going to we all knew that Nebraska's be a rebuild, like going four and eight the first season, fine. Mm-hmm. That was up, and then you go five and seven, and then COVID at year three and five. 2021, three and nine, which by the way, best three and nine no, go all time. time. Yeah. Best <laughs> like, three is like printing money betting the on that team. team to right. ever have a losing record while having a positive point in the fridge, which <laughs> is still my three favorite, and nine too, which is my not, favorite not stat six, of all time. Yeah. And then they're one and two this year. But I kind of want to talk about it from a recruiting standpoint because that's something I remember back in 2018 when he got hired. He really so obviously having that South Florida connection working at UCF in Orlando. If you went into any high school in whether it be my the Miami area or just South Florida area in general, just the Panhandle or just the um, the peninsula, yeah. Every single recruit had a Nebraska hat on. You're like, what the heck? This school's, you know, twenty two hours away. Mm-hmm. He was recruiting that hard and none of those all those kids ended up coming. So not all of them, but a lot of those kids ended up coming having a great recruiting class twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Problem was more than over twenty five players in a one year span transferred. 
another 20 of those kids transferred. All those four or five star kids that, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to leave home, go to Nebraska, ended up coming home, going to schools like UCF, going to schools like Florida, going to schools like USF. It, I think his strategy was gone because he lost his pipeline. And when you lose a pipeline, you can't that's like, get it That's back. like the, the beginning of the end. Yeah. And uh, the uh, Mickey Joseph, who's their interim coach, um, said this week that they're uh, they were moving like uh, – some of the uh, team apparel or whatever, just that, is that having a clean slate. And when I hear stuff like that, it just shows me like what you said, the locker room was for sure yeah. up in arms. I don't think that they were, they were playing for Frost anymore, but they were listening. I'm sure mm-hmm. Frost is a uh, post game interviews where he's kind of pointing the finger elsewhere. It just felt like he, I, dead man walking. I think it's the perfect. Yeah. I don't know he was that for the last uh, year. Yeah. And, it, it, it's crazy. So I, I don't like this guy. And Brandon Walker works for Barstool. I think he's just awful. But he says he, he makes a really good point when he says, you know, when you lose your pipeline, you're dead. Yeah. You're dead. Because yeah. the thing is, how did Nebraska, I mean, the thing is, you got to remember, I think they're one of the teams, they benefit financially, but they hurt, they're really hurt by not being in the Big 12. Because who were they getting when they won those championships back in the 90s? Kids from Oklahoma, kids from Texas. Yeah. You don't have that anymore. Kids from Oklahoma and Texas are not going to Nebraska. Yeah. Heck, they're going to Houston. They'd rather go to a, a future a future Big 12 school than go to a Big 10 school because uh, it's Nebraska. Yeah. It's just kind of that losing connotation. There's the connotation of Taylor Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian Taylor, like all yeah. of them. All, all <laughs> of those guys. And it's just, yeah, it, I, I completely understand why these recruits are kind of shying away from it. And I, I don't blame it, but we have to talk about who replaces him. I mean, right now the the, the theory is Matt Campbell. And I think that would genuinely be yeah, a really good. Yeah, that's one of the names I wrote down. I yeah. think Matt Campbell would be a genuinely good hire. Yeah, yeah. But what's the ceiling? In that? What, what's the ceiling here? What's the ceiling? Right, the, the, Matt Campbell would be a the, the kind of low ceiling culture shifter, but he's not like a special head coach. But he, mm-hmm. uh, I would say, he definitely uh, for sure made that culture more of a positive, uh, like mm-hmm. their ranks, yeah. you know, weeks out of the year. Um, I, I wrote two more names down. I wrote Jeff Levy, the OC from uh, Oklahoma. I think that's an interesting one if you want to, uh, you know, because I think he does a good job there and he, uh, he's been around for a while. Yeah. And then uh, Bill O'Brien is another one that uh, I saw a few times. And I think he's been, Bill O'Brien's in kind of a lot of coaching circles and I think he's like next in line to kind of get a head coaching job. I don't know. I think he's a good head coach, but I, like I think any of those three hires kind of, uh, I, I feel better about Nebraska, like, if they make one of those three hires, then I do that. Yeah. Bill yeah. O'Brien, I think a lot of people's main problem with him, one, his management of player personality in the NFL is so bad. Yeah, he's so, a GM. So, he's an awful GM. Awful GM. GM. But as a coach, he led them to three AFC South titles, I think, yeah. the Texans. So, I mean. Up 24-3 against yeah. the, the Super Bowl champion yeah. with Deshaun Watson. There's something, there's something to be said about that. Then, of course, you lose your best two players in a yeah. few years. But – um, I think I really do like the Matt Campbell hire in terms of changing the program. Iowa State was, I think they had one winning season in 10 years prior to mm-hmm. there. And then now they have a winning record in five or six seasons. And in 2020, they had a program record of nine wins. Yeah. So in terms of changing a program, it's a good program. Results. Those yeah. are just straight up results. I also, um, I saw a little bit about Lance Zippel, Kansas guy. Mm-hmm. Right. He has turned that team around. You're talking about, you're talking about a team that it's a joke. A joke. It's the worst Power Five team yeah. probably out there. And he's turned them into a competitive unit. There's a lot you have to say there. And, of course, my favorite, partly humorous, partly real, um, Matt Lule. Take him. Hire him. Please, 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 <laughs> please, please. He does not belong in the Carolina Panthers. You know, why not hire the NFL coach? Why hire a college coach who can take the NFL coach? Yeah, yeah. 
Can I give sure. like obviously Matt Rule or Matt Campbell's my top guy? Mm-hmm. Can I give a wild card who I think would be a perfect fit? I can better than Matt Rule. I mean, it, it, it's not <laughs> better than Matt Rule, no. But he's an old little Cajun man who has won oh, a national no, championship. No, he has a beautiful no. voice. Nebraska. No. I would kill to see. I would pay a dangerous amount of money to watch <laughs> Coach O, Coach Ed Ordron, Coach O, take over. Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, a windbreaker. I feel like it's kind of a weird look. He's never. Yeah, he's always shirtless and sweating a lot. So, like, but I mean, for real though, I mean, the, he he has that pipeline to Louisiana. He can kind of start rebuilding the Texas one. He is a recruiter. He is a that heck of a recruiter. recruiter. I've he's I've, a read, recruiter, I've but, read his book, and his recruiting philosophy is insane. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible, but it's insane, and it wins. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a great recruiter, and he's a great locker room guy, and he's uh, he can kind of rally the troops, and he's you know got such a the, the, the iconic voice. But I think Coach O, anytime you give him, you're, you're, you're asking for it every time you give him an actual head coaching job. I think as an interim coach, he fills it, and he was that for Ole Miss yeah. and USC, I, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, LSU, you know how LSU ends the perfect storm, gets him that uh, millions of dollars, and then he gets the $30 million buyout. I don't love the look of him uh, constantly you know, you know, the taking pictures with, uh, with, with girls at different issue. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan. I do not love <laughs> Ed O'Gron is a football wild, coach. Wild, wild Rallying country. the troops, uh, troops up. Yeah. I will say, one thing that's interesting, their coach, Mickey Joseph, you know where his last job was before he got to Nebraska? Yeah, was. Mm-hmm. LSU, he was a DB yeah. coach there. So, yeah, really. there is there is a precedent for LSU guys okay. going there. So, we would yeah. establish that. I mean that more joking, but also, I would pay a dangerous amount of money. Same as a, <laughs> same reason why I would pay a dangerous amount of money to have Houston Nutt back coaching in the SEC. Would it work? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Purely be fun. Purely absolutely. But we have to move on to a guy who I have to low-key eat a little crow with it, crow on about. Marcus Freeman. Mm-hmm. Obviously lost his first game against, um, you know, against uh, Oklahoma State last year. You know, the mm-hmm. bowl game. Blue, it's fine. Blue big lead. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, first game, first game. New, you know, I still have Jack Cohn at quarterback. You know, you're, yeah. you're switching second game. over. First, second game, they played excellent. I was so, like. A I lot was, of people high on them. Very high. Yeah. You can go down my tweets. You can look. I All summer, I've been praising Marcus Freeman. He's won the offseason mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. But then you lose, then you lose some Marshall. And yeah. listen, I love me some Thunder, Thundering Herd. Have some few friends go to Marshall. I like Marshall. I love their coach, Charles Huff, former Bama guy, came with the running backs coach. Yeah. But that's one of the most embarrassing losses in their industry. We are Marshall, baby. We are Marshall. I'm just not, I'm not a big fan. I've, you know, we've, we've kind of gone back and forth on this. I'm not a big fan of Marcus Freeman. He's a player's coach. You know, he's kind of a, he has that presence in the locker room that, but he's more, I think he's too buddy buddy. I don't think he's a great in game adjuster. I kind of, you can kind of see that. I, I was higher on Notre Dame after they lost to Ohio State than I was, uh, you know, prior to that game. Yeah, uh, it like looked I, good. It, it looked really good. good. You can't really have a good loss, but it was a good loss. Yeah, it was, <laughs> a, good, it was a good loss in the horseshoe, but uh, then you turn around and Mark's screaming. He's his first home game. He's talking about how this is a great day for first my first win in the program, whatever. And, you know, just turn around and just lay an absolute egg. I don't think Tyler Buckner looks great right now. I think he got hurt. Yeah, and then he got hurt right. season. Oh, right. He oh, did. Tore, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tore something in his shoulder. So it, it I, just, I like Buckner. It feels like they're kind of, you know, like it, they're obviously their playoff chances are done, but like yeah. even besides that, they're kind of like sleepwalking. I think they get better. I think that Marcus Freeman is kind of learning on the fly a little bit mm-hmm. how to be an in-game adjuster. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I did not love what I saw. And it's just my questions are still there about him. Marcus Freeman's a likable guy. Um, one, just in the general population and in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I think when they were 
I think I saw something about when they were first naming him as head coach. Yeah, they imagine him. Everyone's yeah, everyone crying, was, everyone super was emotional. Ecstatic about it. it was awesome. Yeah. It was really cool to see that. And you had you know, Southern people becoming Notre Dame fans, which I, 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 I everyone's I thought, like, oh, Notre I Dame looks great. Peace in the Middle East before we had Southern yeah. folk actually like Notre yeah. Dame. <laughs> yeah. And, dude, I I think you can be good. Like, you hit the road with like, being players coach and not being able to be good like that. And obviously, you know, maybe that's I'm speculating a little bit, but it's tough to argue against 0 3 and a third loss against Marshall. And the losses besides the Ohio State, we talked about that, but the right. ones that they haven't looked good. They just haven't looked good. Mm-hmm. And I want to keep making excuses for them. I want him to, like, really turn that program um, into something really good, but to a certain extent, it's like Marcus Freeman's such a likable guy, and then Brian Kelly's kind of a not not much yeah. of a likable guy. But he's you know, the, the football coach difference. I think, like you know, I will say this: I'm still I'm not going to back off my thing saying I think Notre Dame could eventually win a win a championship, a, potentially win a championship in the next five years. I'm not going to back off that claim. It's still mm-hmm. too early. It's only three games. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that'd really? be an overreaction. But I think there is some concern because you got to remember a lot of these coaches kind of start at like a Central Michigan type school where they started like. You know, UAB, or they started, you know, a smaller program to where they can make mistakes on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that much. Yeah, learn he, has, he has to make his mistakes at a big scale, on a big scale at Notre Dame, one of the biggest schools in America. Like, you have to. Like, like one of the biggest to, scales. Yeah, the NBC, the, yeah. All that, like I mean, that. With, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest TV contracts in <laughs> football history. I mean, it's 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 almost to a point to where, like, I feel bad for him in the sense because he's having to learn all on the fly, but, like, Hard, I mean, you're getting. It's hard for you to go bad when you're making seven, six million a year. I, yeah. I don't know if they disclose because yeah. they're a private school, but yeah, yeah. It, it's it's gonna be really interesting. I think they turn around. I think they beat Cal this week. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's gonna be too much of a problem for them. But Tanner, any closing thoughts before we go to break? I mean, hire Matt Rule. That's all. <laughs> hire Matt Rule. <laughs> Matt that, that is all. Matt Rule to the Huskers. <laughs> that's my final final thought. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, the show endorses Matt Rule to yep, Nebraska. It sure does. Absolutely. Yeah, that, the show's not a fan of Matt Rule, but we want him to be hired by Nebraska. Yeah. We don't want him to be hired. <laughs> when we come back, though, college football games all around the country. We got Auburn, Penn State. We got Georgia, Georgia. We got Ole Miss, Georgia Tech. We have Michigan State versus Washington, BYU, Oregon, Oklahoma, Nebraska. It's a great weekend of slate as you, you are listening to the students at Early Game Day. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. We start off with Georgia versus South Carolina. A sneaky, I think this is going to be a sneaky game for Georgia here. I'm not saying. I that, hope so. I mean, yeah, I think. I really hope so. I sure hope so. Yeah, what, Tanner, what, what are your thoughts <laughs> on this? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's a Power Five team, but South Carolina does not. Unfortunately, as much as you say it's going to be a sneaky game, like I don't really know what to like about South Carolina, especially against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think they have any answer for that front seven. Um, I think Stetson Bennett has looked really good at the quarterback position really here, really athletic. And, he's looked uh, a lot better. Exactly. So I think obviously Georgia's had a bunch of no doubt games against. They've played what Sanford. And Oregon, and, Oregon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I would put Oregon in a similar tier to South Carolina, personally. South yeah. Carolina maybe a little bit above Oregon, but that's the furthest I'd go. And I think it would be another one of those games where they just dominate. Yeah, I, 
So I think it's I think it's also interesting because anytime Spencer Rattler steps on the field, I think it's interesting because it's yeah. fun. I I I love watching him throw. I think it's like some things you're like whoa, but then some things you're like yeah yeah, yeah that's about that, that what I thought was going to happen. But I think Georgia right now it's it hurts like from the bottom of my soul to say this, but they feel like those like 2010s Alabama like Kirby Smart. You can tell he's around those teams because he's building what yeah. what he has at Georgia the last two years feels like Alabama-esque and yeah. this team just feels like they're like an they're, they're a team that's gonna be so they're so buttoned up and well coached right now and they're flowing so well mm-hmm. I think they win this game I think they cover the spread I think they win mm-hmm. uh, I think that, that that there's a difference in talent I think that their defenses look better than I thought it, it, it would those but, tight ends man. yeah those tight that's tight on the room it's on, it's unreal it's not fair I mean it's, 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 it's insane to have, to have three talented tight ends like to that extent that opens up the playbook so much yeah you have three dynamic receivers that are also like these center blockers at tight end that opens up your playbook. they're great blockers and you, you can line them up anywhere on the formation exactly. and just put them in just matchup nightmares all three of them mm-hmm. and they're just it's just a special room and i think that they've looked uh you know stetson Bennett, like you said i mean he looks really good you know like he looks like he like reminds me uh i don't even i don't even know what he reminds me of but like he <laughs> la- like last year for like i was like stetson bennett Whatever, man. I don't want to hear all the Whatever. highs and highs. They're, the Georgia fans buy and sell Stetson better, like he's like he's you know stocks. Yeah. But uh, he uh, he he's looked great so far. He I will say. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get, I'm gonna be honest. So I was on the preseason hype about South Carolina. I didn't predict him to win the conference by any stretch, but I had him finishing second. Finishing I, second. Finishing second. I I am. I, I was yeah. fully bought into the whole idea of Spencer Rattler, and I if think I I'm probably gonna have to eat crow on that one. I love Shane Beamer, and I still love Shane Beamer so much. He's one of my yeah. favorite coaches in college football. But I think Georgia's too much. I, I think maybe they keep it close for a quarter or two. And may, maybe maybe a good a good scenario for them is that like you know going in the second half, they're they're only losing by like a touchdown. Which I think that'd be a win at that point. And then I think Georgia would eventually pull away. But yeah, I mean, I I, I fully agree. I think this could be probably a twenty plus point win yeah. for Georgia. I got it. I got it. Forty eight to twenty. I think, like you say, I think uh, it's it's closer for a little bit, but I think I think Georgia is just kind of too much right now. They're so buttoned up; they feel like they're just flowing right now. They're the number one team in the country. A lot. Hopefully, I, I hope they kind of skid a little bit, but I, they've looked great so far. But you know, something I kind of thought of um, seeing Stetson Bennett play well. Stetson Bennett is 24 years old, and it's kind of giving me the same vibes oh as Kenny Pickett last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Kenny Pickett, he's a great comparison. He's been with comparison. the program forever. Um, not the craziest athlete, but he's been with that program for a while, and he looks really good. Yeah. And I, again, I think he can contribute a lot of it to uh, the program. Again, we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. Obviously, yeah. Kenny Pickett had a great year. I believe he was a Heisman candidate. Yeah, he, he was in New York. He was in New York, yeah. 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 So I think it's going to be kind of one of those things for Stets Bennett, and I still don't think I believe in him much as a prospect for that reason because he's 24 years old and been broken forever. In a stronger in a stronger quarterback class this year, it's a really really strong quarterback exactly. class after it's a super weak last year. He, he a guy like Kenny Pickett would not be drafted in the first round exactly. at all. He'd be drafted. In the a guy like rounds. Kenny Pickett barely got drafted in the first. He round. shouldn't have gotten drafted in the first round. I did not like Kenny Pickett, but like the same yeah. way, I think it's a good comparison for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Now moving on to the next matchup, Miami versus Texas A&M. This one's, this one's interesting. So right now, and you really can't go off the ESPN matchup predict, predictor, but 53% think Miami's going to win 46 Texas A&M. It's been, a, it's been one of those weeks, one of those games where a lot of people are, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different opinions across all the spectrum. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about this game? I see this as, uh, you know, A&M kind of reasserts themselves and they look better. I think they win. Uh, I think they cover and win. 
Um, I think the spread's at six right now, I believe. Yeah. Max Johnson elevates the offense. He's a little better than uh, than uh, Haynes King. And uh, I think Tyler Van Dyke, who, who's also another – talk about prospects. He's also a, yeah. a guy who's uh, rated high up there. I think he'll struggle against the real talent that uh, Texas A&M has. I don't think that they'll be on the field for 40 – like the, the split, the time splits will be 40 to 20 this time. Yeah. I think the A&M looks a little better, and they start to – you know, I think they're going to – they're kind of due for a game where they, like, they look – they look the, what they're supposed to be. Yeah. Interesting. I think uh, Jimbo Fisher needs to – I think he kind of needs to elevate the offense in terms of from a play calling standpoint in that he needs to move away from the offense that it was. In really 2014. Yeah, like, that, was, yeah. that was really good in 2014. You have to yeah, move James away. Winston. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you have to move you away. Have to, it, the times have changed so much. Exactly. And, Plus, you have to remember, he had like a generational defense on that team. I did. All the, the, like so much talent. All those yeah. guys ended up playing at least one game in the NFL. Yeah. All the starters. So it's like yeah. you, you don't have you, – you have talent at A&M. You don't have that talent. Yeah. yeah. Calvin Benjamin just opened up a deep memory when you said that. Yeah. That was <laughs> – yeah. 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 Former tight end. Yeah. Former tight end. biscuit away from being a tight end. That's the same as Booger McFarland. Okay. Okay. Oh, man. That's funny. But yeah, I do. Uh, I, it is such an interesting game. I'm honestly not sure who I'd take because I think AM has to get a lot right, especially compared to last week. There's a lot of things they have to improve on, which it is the opportunity for them to have a prove it game. I'm not the biggest believer in Tyler Van Dyke because, um, again, I'm big on the being at the quarterback position and then being an athlete. So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, you talk about intense practices. I'm sure that that, that week of practice for A&M was super intense. And yeah. uh, I mean, man, uh, I got I got 24-13. I think I said my score. 24-13. I think it's a lower score. I don't think, I just don't think A&M, their offense isn't special enough to like even take advantage of a Miami defense who I don't think is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go Miami as well. I think Tyler Van Dyke – I. I think, you know, people hype him as a Heisman guy, and then that kind of expectations are kind of settling down yep. to him just being a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think good quarterbacks beat this team, though. I think this is a good, I think he's good enough to beat this team. Henry Parrish, he's had a good season so far, 217 yards, 37 carries, four touchdowns. And they get an established run game, even though that's, that's kind of a hard ask considering mm-hmm. how good this front, seven, this front seven is. I think then you can obviously open up passing lanes, and I think then you can get some really good scoring there. I, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game as well. I think it's going to be like a... I think it's going to be like a 24 to like 14 game, but I got Miami. And I think I think some questions start being right, being asked in, in College Station about the job security. Yeah, I think the seat's warm. Kind of, yeah. It's, it's going to warm, especially, like I said earlier, the, the, uh, the class, their, their record-breaking class doesn't pan out. I think the seat will start to be a little warm for them. But, yeah, I think, I think, I think the blueprint's clear, but I don't, I don't see Miami – Having the sort of third down success that App State had, I believe they were nine for twenty. If you get yeah. thirty, uh, twenty for a third down situations, you usually lose that game. Yeah, that's but you convert fifty percent of them, you usually win that game. Yeah. So it's, I don't think that they're that Miami has enough. I think that A and M's due for a little bit of a game where we're like, all right, they they do have NFL talent. Yeah, yeah, they do absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think I like like a. 21-17, I think. Yeah, like you said, yeah. I think it's be lower scoring. I don't think AM is the <coughs> offensive firepower to put up more than that, especially when they couldn't put up more than 14 against App State. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think some will change this week, but I don't think it goes past. How, how confident are you on Max Johnson, actually? like More confident than Haynes King, like I said, but, I mean, he's he, he is good enough to last year in that quarterback room where you have, like, uh, Doug Nuss, Nussmeyer, I believe it is, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and Miles Brennan at the time. And he held them both off 
you know, as a start, mm-hmm. no one really thought he was going to be much. He's Brian Johnson's kids, but basically all he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, he, I think he's, he's good. I think he's okay. But I don't, it, it, as a college quarterback, I'd say he's below average, yeah. for, especially for a, a team that's it has top ten regard. Yeah. In you mentioned you mentioned Brian Johnson, played at Miami. His his son now, yeah. Max Johnson, yeah. first start for A and M versus Miami. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't write it better. You can't write it better than you We interesting to see yeah. who he starts off with. So obviously that game's at eight o'clock tonight on ABC. We'll be able to watch it obviously after the Bama game. A game though that we're not gonna be able to watch because it goes it starts thirty minutes before the Alabama game. Penn State versus Auburn. In this game mm-hmm. super fun. I, I'm just so intrigued. I, I want to get your thought, thoughts versus Tanner Go. Yeah. I um, <laughs> This one's going to be fun. I think you guys were saying earlier how the presence of Nittany Lions fans is mm-hmm. pretty apparent in um, in Auburn. So I think that it would just make my days in Alabama fans. White out of Jordan Hare? Yeah. <laughs> White out After they, they – te- if you didn't know if, – if people listening, if you didn't know, Auburn teased that they were going to go – like they had they changed their icon on Twitter to orange. They kept posting all the stuff about orange, and it's like they're – for sure, they're saying, yeah, we're going to wear an orange face mask. But there's people like, oh, we're wearing orange jerseys. Like, it's confirmed, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. They're not wearing orange jerseys. That, would be, tease, that would be which something. Is very, which is very yeah. Auburn-like to just tease your entire fan base, something they've wanted oh, yeah. for years now, and not do it. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry to cut you up, no, 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 There you go. You're good. So, yeah, I I wanted to make my day to see Penn State fans overtake Auburn fans in Jordan yeah, That I hate that be, place. That would be <laughs> awesome. But, um, two, I, I like Penn State in this game. I think they uh, slightly have a better team. Not again, not by a whole lot. I think it'll probably be like a field goalish type difference. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the spread is, but that's kind of where I think they yeah, got two and a half right yeah, now. Yeah, I was about to say it's two and a half, which is like basically the biggest toss up. Like they yeah. they don't know. Yeah, like this game is like I've I said it to Peyton as we were walking in. It's the Penn State is the Auburn of big the Big Ten. I they have the Bo Nix at quarterback of the Big Ten with Sean Clifford. And then Auburn's obviously just Auburn. Mm-hmm. So I, this this matchup is just so intriguing because I feel like they're two very similar teams in terms of like mm-hmm. expectations. When it comes to coaching, though, I think James Franklin has the edge. And it's not yeah, he's a, I think James. I like James Franklin a lot. I, I I see this game. I see this game uh, as a close one. I think it's a fun game. Yeah. Um, I think Sean Clifford. You know, you talk about. I think the theme of this year, said going into it, is uh, for college football. It's like continuity. The teams that have the continuity will look better than the teams that don't. Obviously, I think USC's kind of proving me wrong right now. But I still think Sean Clifford is better than Bo Nix. I think he's less up and down. Maybe the ups aren't as high, but the down, the lows aren't as low. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's very and uh, and uh, I think Auburn kind of looks like a mess with no identity. I don't think Tank Bigsby's look as good as I thought he would. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like I like Penn State slightly in this game. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I'll just get my score. I'll go 28-24. I think it's close, but I think that uh, I think Sean Clifford finds a way to pull it out in Jordan Hare. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think um, we said that I think Sean Clifford has the coaching edge over Brian Harson. I think a lot of people have the coaching edge over Brian Harson. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's just me. I'm not the biggest Brian Harson fan, but um, I think it would be again. So, like you said, somewhere in the realm of the 28 to 24. I think it would mm-hmm. be a fun one, not too high scoring, but a, but you know, a good football game. Exactly. I I, I want to talk to you about the quarterback situation at Auburn though, because obviously T.J. Finley's been their guy. But they're not doing so great. So great. So 279 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. And I believe he has a rushing touchdown put on that. Mm-hmm. But obviously the other guy's Robbie Ashford, a guy who went to Hoover High School. I've seen play multiple times. Very good player. But they're kind of going with like a two-quarterback system in a sense where you're getting some packages for Robbie. You know, do you think do we think that TJ should they should just commit to TJ or do you think they should commit to Robbie? Because Robbie isn't the best passer. He even had a pick. I think he had a pick or two versus um no, they both had a pick versus San Jose State <coughs> in a twenty 20- 
24 to 16 win. Yeah. I mean, like, and Ashford looks yeah. like a better. He looks like a good athlete. I don't think Finley Finley slimmed down, but he. I don't think he's a very good athlete. No, he's he's on stilts. I think. Yeah, I know. I think he's. Uh, I think the, uh, the the leash is getting a little thin for uh, Finley. I think that mm-hmm. at a certain point, Harson's going to turn to another guy. And I think you know Calzada's obviously back there. It's a, uh, fan, a name that Alabama fans know, obviously. Yeah. But uh, but I think, like you said, Robbie Ashford. I think it's interesting if you put him in. It's more of like a game planning advantage, I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the next three games for Auburn dictate so much for the season's going to Yeah. Penn State, Missouri at home, and then I believe they go to LSU. Yes. And or no, the rest LSU comes to goes to Auburn. Right. And the rest of their uh, their slate after that is brutal. Tough. Like yeah, brutal. I could say. I, and I've always said Auburn is one of the hardest jobs in America <laughs> because, A, your schedule is insane. Your recruiting is insane. You have to go against mm-hmm. Saban, Kirby Smart every year. I mean, that's yep. that's two losses right there, plus A&M, which is usually, you know, a little better than you. So mm-hmm. three losses. It's, it's just a tough – it's a really tough job. I will say this, though. I think Penn State's a better team. I think Penn State has better coaching. I think Penn State's a better quarterback. I think Auburn wins. But Auburn wins. Yeah. And the reason why is because when you go to Jordan-Hare – there's just something about it. Every it doesn't matter if it's the '84 Bears. I'm going to sound really old saying you could put the '84 Bears in there, and Auburn would still make it close because Auburn just there's something different about being down at Auburn on the plains. As someone who experienced the Iron Bowl last year there, the first time ever, you know, I've I've heard legends basically of how insane this place is. It is one of the loudest, most deafening places you will ever be in your entire life, and that is a credit to the university to well i'm not gonna give the university the students <laughs> yeah. it's credit to the students and just kind of the culture they built there with yeah. that fan presence i'm gonna say a 24 to 17 win Robert. i don't think that's far off i think that i think you're right in this in that sense i think the, the jordan hair thing i think they could be zero and seven they could they could have no sec wins and go into the iron bowl jordan hair and still make it in, yeah i mean you look at tw- 2009 <laughs> 2009 auburn was about a seven and five team but never very good and and then Alabama was that was the Alabama twenty four that was the first championship season for Saban at Bama, mm. and that team we all, we almost lost that game. I mean, it went down to a Roy up Church little toss to the yeah. right <laughs> from Greg Ma- or nice. friend of the show, Greg McElroy. So yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's it's gonna be super interesting. I think I'm I, I, Penn State's played in some rough environments. They played against you know they play against you know Ohio State. They play against Michigan. They play against heck even Iowa's of the world that have just crazy atmospheres, but. There's just something about Jordan Hare that's separate from all 138 college venues in America. I think it's interesting it's because Jordan Hare, uh, it's like you could catch him on the on a bad day where they don't like the students aren't engaged and you can get some that bad was team last coming. Week. Exactly, last week was like that. right. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. San Jose State comes in and makes it close because it was pouring cats and dogs. Yeah, exactly. They played for four hours yeah. because of a rain. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Ter- I mean, but, but but once once they they, they commit to you know filling that stadium and selling it out, I think yeah. that that's when the things get scary for the other yeah. team. Like that's when you can catch any team. Like yeah, whether it's 2019 LSU, the '85 Bears, the the freaking the you know Bart Star Pack, like anything. Not the '84, the '85 Bears actually. <laughs> the 85, yeah. yeah, but no, it's I, that's a game that I, I I just I'm so glad like it's. So I'm going to be in the press box covering the BAM game today. And so like, I am thrilled to have on the second monitor have that game because it's yeah, going yeah. to be. That'll be fun. It's going to be. It, I, I'm I'm so excited. And this is why I love. This is why I'm so glad that scheduling is going to this way of just like home and homes where you're getting. Mm-hmm. Like, we're Those getting so much. We're getting good some really good matchups, yeah, guys. Like, like Oregon versus Ohio State last year. Great matchup. Um, we're, we're just getting some really good. Uh, I mean, Bama, Texas here. Bama's got Wisconsin in a few years. They're going to yeah, be going to Wisconsin. Camp that's Randall. Yeah. You, I I don't know what I'm doing in my life and and I'm going up. but yeah. I I will be I'll in Camp Randall up, yeah. jumping <laughs> while we're in crimson probably. Hopefully we'll see we'll right. see about that. 
next game that we have to talk about, we got to talk about this Florida State. Florida versus um, University of Southern Florida, mm-hmm. USF. I'm excited to see kind of how um, Florida bounces back and Anthony Richardson responds. Kind of, Tanner, Tanner, you go with this one. I think that, again, I've said that I'm not the biggest Anthony Richardson believer before, but something about this game feels like he's going to have another um, athletic explosion. I think he's going to have another one of those games. Because, I mean, it's USF, I think, at the end of the day. And, you know, they can be a sleeper program sometimes. I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of them this year. They're weaker this year, I think, than yeah. they usually are. So I think it'll be another one of the Anthony Richardson, like they kind of let him take the, not let him take the reins, but they let him have some fun out there. And I think he's going to have another one of those games. I, I always think Florida's going Florida's to win by, I think, a few scores. I'm not sure what my exact prediction yeah. is going to be. But, but yeah. I, I, I see this. It's interesting because you know, Gary Bohannon, uh, Baylor's quarterback, is USF's quarterback. So I think I don't. I think twenty-four points. That's the spread right now. It's twenty-four. I think it's a lot because I think I think Florida's going to kind of look up. They're going to like take a deep breath and slow the game down. They're going to try to run the ball, and get it going, get Anthony Richardson's moving in the pocket. That's when he's best. Yeah. We know that. He's like you said, special athlete. He's probably going to bounce back and play really well. I don't think. I don't think Florida has. This is kind of my feeling with Florida going into this year. I don't think Florida has like sort of like the set like buttoned up offense. I keep using that term, but like it's true, buttoned up like in a sense that I think that their offense is a little wild. I think that they could uh, they're going to score points today. I I have wrote down forty two seventeen. I don't think they cover the spread, mm-hmm. but unless that is twenty four and a half spread. Is that is twenty math wrong? That might be that might actually be covering the spread. Yeah, yeah that's that's twenty five, right? That would be yeah. covering the spread. So I think <laughs> they really that's apparently yeah, apparently they will, but I think it's super tough for them to stay away because you could get you don't know what Florida you're going to get today. I mean, I, I yeah. think that they're going to bounce back. They're going to play well. They're going to play better, and they, it's a weaker opponent. But you know, Gary Bohannon's got a big game experience. Like, why why can't he go for uh, you know a few scores himself? So yeah, it's interesting. I will say this: the best quarterback in the field would not be wearing blue. No, yeah, mm. I'm a big Gary yeah. Bohannon fan. If you actually look at their stats, he has better stats. He, both two just two interceptions. But Bohannon has 391 yards compared to Richardson's 311. And has better passing percentage. I got, I got a Florida still, but I think it's going to be a close. I think it's going to be closer than people expect. I think it's yeah. going to be. I think well, it's twenty four is a lot of points. Yeah, I think twenty four is a lot of points. I had, I could even see it being like a <coughs> like a thirty five to twenty one game, where it's just like one of those games where like yeah. Florida scores in the last three three and a half minutes to kind of solidify the game. But it's kind of one of those like, ooh, we kind yeah. of escaped there. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not super high on um. There, I can't. His name slips my mind. I can't remember the um the USF coach. He came from um. He came from Clemson as their offense coordinator, if I'm correct. I, I'm not very high on him. I, th- I thought it was a weird hire at the time, and I still am standing by that. I'm just not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I got USF in this – not USF, Florida, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Think, yeah I, th- I think it's it's so interesting because there's going to be some drives where Florida's going to go three plays, 75 yards, and be like, this offense is explosive. And then you're going to have to turn around, and you're in the next drive. Yeah. Andy Richardson's going to have to throw three trading completions three now. Like it's, yeah. it's like, it's so wild. It goes with the floor is going to go where he goes, like where he takes it. I yeah. I think that Anthony Richardson, when he's playing a game, I think he either, I feel like he gets taken over by how he starts playing the game for the rest of the game. So, mm-hmm. like, again, for example, against um, Kentucky last week, he didn't have a great start to the game. And you could see that it kind of had him a little bit shaken for the rest of the game. He wasn't. He wasn't as confident. He wasn't, you know, going for as much. It seemed like he missed a couple bad throws. Yeah, he missed a couple bad reads. So I think if he starts out rough, then I think it's gonna hurt him for the rest of the game because that's just kind of what I saw against um, Kentucky. But that's why I think either will be like a. 
don't know, you know, to win by a touchdown, two touchdowns, or it's a blowout. Yeah, it's, it's a guy with a, with a beautiful, throws a beautiful ball, mm-hmm. throws a great deep ball, but in a short and intermediate game, he really struggles. Yeah, yeah. really struggles. That's what the percentages really drop so, off. Uh, and in, in college, to be that first-round prospect, that top five, you know, sort of talent that he is, you got to be able to complete at least 60% passes. I mean, that's what you I have agree. to do in college. You to hit all three levels if you want. Yeah, and he cannot hit all three levels, which no. he hits the hard ones, but the, yeah. the easy ones are not easy. Yeah. So we're going to ask Tanner to be impartial about this next game. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets mm-hmm. will be going and playing the old Miss, I believe this game, is at Georgia Tech. So welcoming in the Rebels. How are we, how are we feeling about this game? This one, I think this one... I'm not saying Georgia Tech's good because they're not very good. But I think this could be a bit of a trap game here for Ole Miss. Uh, Tech by 30. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first. But, um, yeah, I do see the trap game. Even, I know I'm a little bit biased, but even doing my best to not feel that at all, I do think it is a little bit of a trap game. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of Tech does that every once in a while just because, especially when you had the offense that was that uh, Paul Johnson's uh, – the way to triple off, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> triple option type deal that kind of caught teams off guard because you don't mm-hmm. even have teams obviously prepared for that. But obviously, not in that same boat and haven't been for years. But I think it will be one of those trap games. I guess, just, yeah, I just maybe it's just me wanting good football, but I do think it'll be one that shakes my. Yeah, mind. I like Ole Miss this year. I like their offense. I like uh, Jack. What I see in Jackson Dart and Zach Maul, that's like that's a good little duo they got there. Like that's, that's I I think that's pretty good in terms of a backfield, but. uh I think, you know, Ole Miss is susceptible to giving up points. And uh, although I don't think Georgia Tech's offense is great, and since they moved to the spread, they've kind of, you know, they've struggled to acclimate. But I see, I see Ole Miss, I see, I got, it's the, I got the game at 17, I mean, that's the spread, mm-hmm. uh, 17 points, which is uh, kind of a weird number. But uh, I'll go, I'll go uh, 42-24. So I don't, I mean, I do think they cover man my math is really bad. but uh, listen, listen we're communication yeah <laughs> we're in trust and just full disclosure i don't take a lot of math classes but uh yeah no i think it, yeah it's kind of an interesting one for sure uh because i think um i don't know george has quarterback's names slipped my mind jeff I like sims jeff sims yeah. i like watching him play but two he's, years away from yeah year yeah he, that's exactly that's what everyone says but uh yeah. you know he's got some talent so it makes things interesting at home is also kind of cool for them but uh, bringing in more Ole Miss, but I, I see this as kind of Ole Miss kind of asserting they're, they're starting they're starting to feel themselves out. They're starting to um, sort of get into uh, a groove uh, this year because I I don't think they're quite the, the same level as uh, Tennessee and Arkansas right now, and I think they're kind of a tier below. But I think they start to look better. Yeah, as the season goes along. One thing I think that will always be the difference between the thing that makes it hard to pick Tech against Ole Miss is always just the SEC difference in mm-hmm. the. Yeah. Offensive line, front seven. Yeah. If you have a clearly mismatched offensive line and/or front seven, then you're going to win that game. If you can run the ball effectively with a significantly better offensive line, you're going to win the game. And the ACC just has always had that will for a long time. Yeah. And I think that's an advantage you can't even over when you're playing tech. Yeah. I think one thing that's really interesting about this whole Miss team is the running back room. I think they have mm. one of the deadliest running back rooms in America. Yeah. No one talks about Zach Evans, former five-star. Mm. I think it's Zach Moss. I meant Zach Evans. Zach, Zach Moss. Zach, back Zach Moss. Running back. Really yeah. And not doing very well because yeah. my buddy drafted him in like really? one of the late really? rounds. Weird, yeah. James Cook is awesome. Yeah. 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 But obviously, this is not a NFL fantasy chat, but we will. <laughs> hey, but you know, we will. if you ask for it, we will give you our yeah. fantasy <laughs> free advice. Uh, for the people. Free for advice. The people. Yeah. For the people. <laughs> but, one, but we talk about Zach Evans a lot. 
Quinchon Judkins, the freshman out of Pike Road, Alabama, went to Pike Road High School. I said it two, I said it last year. I thought he was better than Emmanuel Henderson, who went to Bama. Yeah. Well, five-star guy. Quinchon Judkins ended up becoming, I think, around a three- to four-star guy. He's starting for him. He's, he has 24 carries, 119 yards, and one touchdown. Kid's an absolute just freak of nature. You know, Bama's probably, he ended up visiting, I think his final schools were Auburn, Ole Miss, and Notre Dame. I mean, some really high, you know, high teams wanted him, but obviously he kind of stuck, stayed close and went to Ole Miss. I got Ole Miss winning this, obviously, but I think, I think Judkins is going to have a bit of a coming out party. He had 119 yards or 191 yards last week, obviously, but that was against, I believe, I can't even tell you who they were playing last <laughs> week. I mean, it was, <laughs> to be honest, I think, I think, yeah. Troy. I have, Troy. Troy, yeah, oh, yeah, there you go. Little, little old Troy. Yeah, I have, I have them winning. I still think Mississippi, Ole Miss needs to figure out their quarterback situation. I, I would go with Jackson Dart, not Luke Ultimeyer, but I like Jackson Dart kind of. I, it's yeah. hard to tell right now, but I think, I, I think he's looked all right. I think mm-hmm. he's looked better than um, Ultimeyer. I yeah, like Ultimeyer. I, 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 th- I think he's better. He's just more the, the physical tools are much more there with Dart. Yeah, especially the cool last name for a quarterback. <laughs> Dart. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not wrong. That is a sick last name for yeah. quarterback. Yeah. But then two, we'll try to get some more in before the break. Seven minutes left in our hour. We have Michigan State versus Washington at 6.30 on ABC. This game is a complete toss-up right now to, for me. Yeah. I mean, the Lions plus three and a, or minus three and a half for Washington. But they have the predictor, the ESPN predictor, which is always 100% right at all yeah. times, mm-hmm. has Michigan State winning 53 to 40, at a 53% to 46% against Washington. What, how are we feeling about this game? It's so interesting because, um, you know, Washington's kind of ever since Gary Patterson, or, yeah, Gary Patterson left. Is it, well, no, who was, who was the coach? It was Patterson. Peterson. Peterson. Uh, Chris sorry. Peterson. Chris yeah, Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Get the two confused. Yeah. Purple schools. Sorry. But uh, I think, you know, you, ever since, you know, you, 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 you kind of haven't seen Washington since, uh, you know, the Jake Browning days you have, make a lot of noise. But here they're uh, your, your favorite versus a top, uh, four-line top ten opponent. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan State wins. Um, they pull away late. I, well, I have 20 to 30. I, I, it's a hostile environment. It's so interesting, though. I would, I'm not very, like, my thoughts on this game are not, like, I'm not super sure. But I think no. it's, it could go either way again, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's a toss-up. I can't confidently give an answer on what I think is going to be it or who I think is going to walk away with this one. I do like Washington. I do like Michigan. Unfortunately, I'm not a big fan of the Michigan offense. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of, it's Michigan State. Mich- excuse me, Michigan State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Michigan State offense. And, you know, it's, again, the game, you said the game is um, at Husky Stadium, right? Yes, it yeah. is at Husky Stadium. So, again, like you said, hostile environment. I think Michigan State just pulls it out. 11 seed against the ring. I think it's pretty easy to say that. But, you know. Well, yeah. Before I give my prediction, mm-hmm. I will say this has just been not breaking news, but something interesting. We were talking about Nebraska earlier. Mm-hmm. Currently, the big noon kickoff is there. And you know who's on the big noon kickoff? Oh, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Oh, oh, my Nebraska fans are chanting, we want Urban. Well, That is court, weird. Who after on earth wants Urban Meyer? After last year, such a bad write-off. I'm them. not going to put any comment on it. I'm just going to say that's what they are chanting right yeah. now. Interesting. Very <laughs> interesting. I will say, Nebraska, be careful what you wish for because yeah. you are low-key selling your soul. They're but, asking for it. I, I think Washington wins in a big win. I, I think Washington, I'm very high on the new head coach. I, coming from, um, I can't remember his name. His name's just my mind now. Mm-hmm. But coming from Fresno State, had a great job, did a great job turning around that program. I'm not saying Washington's going to win the conference, but I think Michael Penix Jr. 
And so far, had a rough season last year for Indiana. Really after rough good, season. COVID year. Yeah, after an the COVID incredible year. COVID year. Yeah, had an incredible year. diving yeah. touchdown in the end mm-hmm. of the zone to beat Penn State. So far this season, 682 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception. I'm really liking this Washington team. Now, sure, you know, the first game was against Kent State and the other one was against Portland State. So, obviously, it's kind of hard to take much weight into that. Yeah. But Michigan State's coming. Michigan State won their first game against Western um, Michigan and Akron. So, it's kind of one of those hard games because, like, neither team has really played many, you know, quality opponents. I got Washington. I think the home factor is real. That Husky Stadium is an insane think, place. They're going to show up. I think. It's so interesting because these these two teams they're kind of like reminding me of like what the kind of the future where college football is heading. They're both mm-hmm. like built off transfers kind yeah, of like it's yeah. kind of weird names you hear like uh, uh, Jalen Burgers, uh, yeah, Burger sophomore running back from Wisconsin, yeah, and then uh, you got and then you got Michael Penix, which is a which is a name that you know Indiana been playing for college football right. for twenty years yeah. exactly, <laughs> and he's it, but. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of where the game is going right now. Yeah. Like the, with the t- two teams kind of built off the transfer pool. Absolutely. So predictions there, obviously. Probably our last game we can cover with only three minutes left in our incredible. We had a great t- we've had a great time so far, but we sadly have to end because we have our own games to go to. BYU Oregon. I think this is one of the most intriguing matchups. And of course, all these games are at two thirty, so I don't know what's going to be on my screen <laughs> yeah, at two thirty because yeah. there's so many good games. But it's a good game. BYU yeah. is predicted to lose by the ESP predictor. But the line right now, Oregon also predicted the win. And the Oregon is one and one against the spread this year. Minus three and a half, so another toss-up. I'm really I, I'm so intrigued because I really don't know how I feel with this Oregon team still. Because yeah. I think Georgia, that's not a good litmus test. Georgia's the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm just so intrigued. What, what, how are you? What, I'm, how calling, are you? I'm calling the shot at I hate I, I'm an avid Bo Nix kind of like against I don't I don't believe in him but I'm calling the Bo Nix sort of legacy game where he just goes yeah, off for some reason I think yeah. he I think he plays really really well today mm-hmm. and has one of those anomaly games where he uh, and uh, Oregon ends up pulling it out after BYU's kind of riding high off of a 2 a.m. finish last week they go uh, you know they go into Oregon's kind of tough for them so I'll go I'll go or I'll I'll take BYU the spread but I'll go Oregon 27-24 I think that I think BYU maybe this one call me crazy but mm-hmm. I think BYU is actually. I like BYU a lot. I, I think yeah. they've actually looked really good this year. Yeah, they have Darren Hall is a talented quarterback. Yeah, has a great start to the season. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. And BYU is an underrated uh, front seven and offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think they have a yeah. really good offensive line in front seven. And obviously, Oregon last time they played against a good off a good offensive line in front seven it was Georgia, and they are the best. Yeah, uh, they're the best. There, so, so it's tough to compare that. But, you know, if they do struggle the same way they did against Georgia, against the really talented front seven, then that could be a really bad thing for Oregon. Obviously, barring a Bo Nix legacy game. I just think it's going to happen for some reason. I, I, respect the, I respect the gut feeling, but um, I think I like BYU in this matchup. But it's it, fun. It's a super fun game. I have a mm-hmm. Bo Nix legacy game happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, BYU wins. <laughs> I think I think BYU Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix has like three touchdowns, three hundred yards, but one interception that just <laughs> ends the game. Like, I'm talking about like I want to turns that. around, tosses behind <laughs> his back. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like just I'm talking about just dreadful. Like yeah. oh my gosh, what on earth is he thinking? Type play. Yeah, I think that happens, and I think there's a minimum of four camera shots of his family watching the game and talking mm-hmm. about how his dad is Patrick Nix and how. Patrick Nix is two and two against Alabama, but I, but no, I, I yeah. To be serious, so I, I I really do think this BYU team wins, even with a Bo Nix game. That's yeah. crazy. I think BYU. I think every day we the as days go on, Big Ten the Big Twelve looks like a freaking genius here, mm-hmm. getting yeah. BYU. BYU's are there. They're in a merger. They're absolutely. Well, guys, it's ten o'clock. 
Great show. We talked about so much. Yeah. Great times. Yep. Um, keep it here. Obviously, all of our shows will be podcasted soon on Apple and Spotify. So keep it here live on 90.7 The Capstone. WVUA FM, Tuscaloosa.